0: Survivors ready. Go! I'll do it, but it depends. What will you do? You said, come on, dude.
1: Oh, okay. Well, we're recording now.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome back (laughs) to the Survivors Ready podcast. (laughs) We're doing a season 35 Heroes versus Healers versus Hustlers review. This is the first time we've ever talked about this season on a podcast. We did not just record for 40 minutes without audio. This is am, our first try. I'm very excited to talk about this season for the first time.
1: I'm yeah, so we also have
2: never talked about it to ourselves either. Yeah, nope, never, absolutely on. not. Yeah, and, and, and we just we all just watched the season uh, in preparation for, the first time, for this podcast. For the first time. Yeah, for the first time. Yeah. Uh, we wa- We did watch rewatch the season, uh, so we have it all fresh in our minds. So we have a lot to talk about. Uh, what do we guys uh, want? you guys want to talk about first?
0: Well, I think that uh, uh, well one, this is what we believe to be one of the most underrated and just one of the best seasons of Survivor ever. And I think uh, this is kind of a perfect example of like why we're we are like modern day survivor fans and like 30s fans because uh, the I, I feel like the the level of strategy, the the level of social play amongst people has just been amped more and more over the years and i think this is a perfect example of one like uh that that's strategy and strategic minds that people have just being amped to such a high level but also just like i feel like it's a very satisfying season that any newcomer could even come into and just uh, watch it without having, seen other stuff and love it. I think there's a lot of like that, you know, there's like a challenge beast. There's a lot of different uh, strategic minds at play with each other and different plans that not only just work out uh, for one vote. And then it's like, we move on to the next thing. We do get to see certain plans play out for multiple votes, which I think, is interesting uh, compared to like most modern day survivor seasons
2: yeah there's also some great idol plays throughout the season and just a great cast overall a lot of people (laughs) to root for uh and i feel like that's 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 a testament to a good season when you have a handful of people especially when you get to the merge like i like pretty much everybody here this is awesome uh i i think go ahead
1: I was just going to say, I th- I think for literally anybody, whether you haven't like personally watched too much of Modern American Survivor, or uh, you don't or you know anybody that doesn't watch Survivor, uh, season thirty five, Heroes, Healers, Hustlers, it's probably one of the strongest contenders for a really good first watch. Uh, if like like Camden was saying, if you're a newcomer to Survivor, please go out of your way and watch this one. Um, I think the dynamics of a three-person tribe, or a three-person, <laughs> of a, of a, um, a three-six-person three per- three tribe to start, Jesus, um, I think that dynamic to start the game off is way more compelling uh, when it's just one one tribe versus another. It can kind of get into that muddy of, oh, I want this tribe to win, but maybe they do lose off, and then you kind of teeter off at the end because you don't really care for most of these people that are winning. That's highly improbable because not only are a lot of these people on the season super likable, like Connor was saying, but just overall, everybody in the game at a certain point, they have a reason as to why they're there and the gameplay never stops.
2: Yeah, and uh, I think the reasons why people dislike the season are not unwarranted, but I don't think that the bad nearly outweighs all of the great that happens in this season. I think you can boil down uh, the reason why this season isn't maybe the best season ever because of maybe just one thing, um, but people attribute it to the wrong things and the wrong people, which we'll get into in a little bit. I think what we should start off with is talking about the pre-merge, which I I think is one of the best pre-merges, uh, it, probably the best pre-merge of the, 30, of the 30s in my opinion. Uh, a lot of good gameplay going on, a lot of good mix-ups, and – Uh, I really liked it. I think it showed a lot of people and let a lot of people shine. Uh, Like Ryan, uh, I think he was great in the pre-merge, probably the best pre-merge performance of the season, considering that he went to all but two of the tribal councils. You get to see a lot of him, get to see a lot of his strategic play. Um, So I liked uh, everything that he did. In terms of creating uh, bonds with Devin, which helped him when they swapped, Devin was able to create bonds that brought into his and Ryan's alliance, Mm -hmm. making a bond with Chrissy. I think he lucked out that he was able to give Christy that day one idol and then get swapped with her uh, to then make that bond. So then that – she brings in people to bring an alliance. So everything that he was doing was slowly creating an alliance for himself. So I think that was great. I really want to know what that uh,
0: that idol play – if it because like when they get together <laughs> – and, and Chris is all like, what made you like give it to me or whatever? And he was just like, eh, just a vibe. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder how much of that is like true and how much of it is also just like, I'm going to give it to one of the two older ladies because I'm sure they're the ones that are probably like talked about as being the ones voted out. And then they'll be with me the rest of the season. <laughs>
1: And to be fair, like after that first challenge, when Chrissy is literally killed over and throwing up, you know, it's fair to see that early on in the game, seeing like, oh, well, this person obviously just threw up, and it's only day three. They might think, hey, let's let's keep the tribe, uh, let's keep this tribe strong, and let's just vote out the person that clearly can't stand. But obviously, she stands the the test of time.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think also the challenges this season were great. I'll, like Especially after the swap, all the tribes were alternating wins. It was awesome. Every single swap tribe lost at least once. So it showed, or at least immunity. I, I don't remember uh, reward no. challenges.
1: No. That's not true. <laughs> yeah, Yahwa Yawa in the swap. The, the, swap the tribe go. of
0: uh, Ben, Lauren, Michael, and Jess, they never <laughs> lost. They
2: never lost a reward challenge?
1: No, oh, they, they 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 will they lost a reward but they did they never lost an immunity.
2: Sure. Uh, I I mean just in terms of just challenge all around, it mm-hmm. was it was very like balanced, I would say. So, that was cool to see. And there were well, so many different dynamics going on like literally just one swap, it's just a mixture of heroes, healers and hustlers on all the tribes that made it super cool like the dynamic of Devin being the lone soldier, Rourke was the lone soldier on her tribe. Um Ben and Lauren were were surrounded by three healers. It was super cool dynamics all the way around. I especially love the Tribal Council where Devin goes and gets the advantage from uh, Jessica where he gets to read it at Tribal Council and he's like, hell yeah, I get an advantage. Opens it up and reads that his vote's blocked and then he looks up and says, that is not an advantage. One of the (laughs) funniest quotes of the season. Love that. Jeff, uh... I got a little something, um, it says, do not open until it is time to vote, which is right now. Go for it. This is a secret advantage, but it is being used against you by another player to block your vote at tonight's tribal council. That is not an advantage.
0: Also, I feel like that was a really dumb play by Jessica. She got rid of the swing vote, like thinking back on it like, yeah, she's going to help her healers, so she's not going to get rid of one of her healers, but like getting rid of Devin's vote makes it an automatic 2 to 2. Why why wouldn't she think like I'll get rid of one of the the heroes even if Devin's with one of the heroes, then then it still makes it 2 to 2. But if Devin is with the my healers, then I just canceled out their majority. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know why she she picked Devin for that
1: one. That is interesting, cause yeah, no matter where where you go with it. Actually, no, r- r- forget what I just said because you should have canceled out a hero. Like it's the only it's the only thing that makes sense.
2: It's hard to know when you're not on the tribe because when you look at the other tribe where it was two heroes. Uh, two hustlers and Rourke the lone healer she's the one who got singled down got voted out so
0: it is yeah it's hard to know which is why I feel you wouldn't take a chance though like the only things that could possibly happen uh especially I think that was the first vote after the swap was that vote and then Ryan's team lost twice after that Mm -hmm. but um the, like right after that, you got to assume that like they're gonna try and keep some sort of like tribe allegiance. So, so it makes no sense to vote at, or to cancel the vote of someone who might be their your team's only hope of not being in a minority anymore. It's just weird, but it ended up working out for her because Joe played an idol well. So,
2: true. Yeah, Very true. First first idol play of the season. Uh, whenever an idols played pre-merge, it's like, oh wow, this is people. This is crazy, and it worked out. People are coming uh, to
1: play. They, like I, pre-merge idol plays are few and far between, but when they're done and when they're done with such like precision, especially
0: they- because like, and especially in like a three-person or three-tribe like pre-merge, there's only five motherfuckers on that tribe, so like. <laughs> That's that's really scary to mm. like like a, an idol has a lot of power like in the final five of the season that's the last time you're allowed to play an idol, so it's crazy having that small of numbers with an idol in your pocket like that that's always just scary and I think upped the intensity of that pre merge it was really this it was really that vote was the start of it I feel like there's a lot of time or most Survivor seasons are like. Before a swap the game doesn't really start, you know, I think the saying is that like the once the merge starts That's when the game starts, but it, it's also like the swap, you know Like anytime just dynamics change is when it's like it's game on now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent
1: because it's easy to build off of like the the bonds and the, the game like the game that we know as the game starts only gets truly interesting, and in my opinion, it only really becomes survivor when these personalities clash and when the dynamics shift. And when we see different people come to the top and different people shift to the bottom, uh, the power shift swinging like a pendulum. It, it's always the like the best seasons have exactly that going out through going on throughout the entire season, and that's what this season has to offer literally the entire time.
0: After that vote, though. Poor Allie,
1: yeah. R.I.P.
0: You deserved better. Uh, I, it's really sad that you were sacrificed so that JP could make it to the merge and do nothing <laughs> and get blindsided after three votes. But yeah. I, I really would have liked to see what she would have done in a merge because I feel like she was one of the like biggest strategic minds of that of that season, and then especially because like she would start. Or I guess she probably wouldn't start from the bottom anymore because it's like she's she would be with Ryan and Chrissy if that were to, if they were to vote out JP, but
2: I can on only imagine I
1: could I, I was gonna say to it piggy- to piggyback off of that, that would increase the healers numbers by one, which I think
2: No it wouldn't. Or well I was just Oh thinking, not the healers, I, the,
1: the, the hustlers, sorry. It would increase the oh, hustler's oh, okay. number by one. Because I then can, yeah. No, That would, wouldn't. That would, <laughs> that, would just ink, that would just... You were take... wrong. <laughs> I, I, I can old. only
2: imagine that the dynamic's is the same, though, because it's still four Hustlers, three heroes. Same thing as four heroes, three Hustlers. The, I, That's fair. That That's I, fair. I, I feel like that basic team would still form. Mm-hmm.
0: There just might have been a betrayal earlier because there was a smarter person within there.
1: Or maybe Allie is the betrayal that happens earlier on because we do see that she becomes quite the emotional player. I mean, in my opinion, on this rewatch, I do love Allie's gameplay a lot, and I really w- I do wish that we could have seen her in the merge, but the way that she exits is super emotional to me, and it really lowered her rating. I guess, in my opinion, uh, or ranking in in terms of the uh, in terms of the cast, because when you stand up and you're like. I forget what... She said something negative about Ryan, and, and in all the confessionals oh, of her she's episode... Like, that's what she's, I guess. Like,
0: she's like, that's what I get for trusting a weasel like that or something like that. Uh,
1: that little twerp, Ryan. That's what she Oh, says. yeah. Yeah, but that was... It just felt so weird for for her to, like, shift from, like, super gameplay-oriented and knowing that this is a game to, oh, well, Ryan backstabbed me in this sort of way. It happened to me in this sort of... um. Gameplay move that I wasn't anticipating So he's the little swerp. It just felt like off to me
2: I I think another thing where it's just I, I think her gameplay is faulty Is for that vote she only Really petitioned Orion to vote for Chrissy and in best case scenario They tie and if they stay a tie, Allie and Chrissy are safe, and then it's between Ryan and JP to go home for a rock draw, right? If no idols get voted. No, I think I think what it was was
0: that Ryan was like, "Look, I I think I want to vote JP because I think JP is like a big challenge threat." So the whole thing was going to be like, "All right, Chrissy and I are going to either decide to vote you or JP."
2: Oh. Okay.
0: But but, uh, but but you she are right. She, she
1: was petitioning to vote for Chrissy on the Rourke vote. That was when she won. Yeah, my thought.
0: I I messed it up. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, That's true. And and then it it makes sense for Ryan to go with Chrissy. She was. I think Chrissy was obviously a lot more of a like I'm going to be loyal to you, kind of person. The that that does bring up I think a big downfall of Ryan's game and why I've been more down on him after this rewatch is because like he had a great pre-merge game, but He had more of like he had more social strategy than he did social, like human level emotions with people. I feel like he only really had that with Devin, with Chrissy, and I guess JP, but I I have no idea who had what with JP. But like, first time he tries to stray away from that, like he goes to Ben. And Ben's like, fuck that. I'm going to tell someone else that <laughs> that he has an idol. That's and I dangerous. he was always like, yes, he aligned himself with the right people to uh, have more connections once the merge happened. Like he was with Devin. Devin was with people. So they, they came back and Devin's people helped him out. Chrissy's people helped him out when, the, when it came to Merge. But he only really had connections with those two people. And I think they bring that up in Final Tribal a lot. A, a few of them are like, you never had any like connection with me or anything, conversation with me or whatever. And especially like after he betrayed Ali in the Rourke vote, we see how bad his social gameplay gets if he is challenged. Because you know she's she's obviously upset and is like asking him questions about it and and he gets a little belligerent and and is all like because you were getting too close to her, Allie, <laughs> you were getting too close to her. How could you not see that? And he's he just kind of went off a little bit on her. I'm sorry, my dog got scared from that. But, uh, <laughs> but Allie, I would trust too. me.
1: I know your social dynamic. You were close to her, and I yeah. couldn't trust her. Like it doesn't, it didn't make it was sense his for her hat to, for Mr. him Krabs, to be that loud. Um, <laughs> was
2: number one. I I don't think voting out Rourke was the bad idea. He should have just told Allie. Yeah, no, he yeah, totally no, should have. told it wasn't a bad her.
0: idea. It was just the way he went about it afterwards. I think showed that like when push comes to shove, he might not be the best in tight situations with just talking to people. Mm -hmm. I think he has a persona of like, if I'm funny and I make them laugh, then they'll want to keep me around, and I'm I'm charming that way. And and I think that was very true early on, but I think especially him being left out of the whole uh, vote against the Seven, uh, or the betrayal against the Seven, him being left out of that, I think, uh, was proof of that he didn't have, didn't actually make like good connections with enough people.
2: Yeah, I mean it's tough because his his rationale at the final tribal council was that he's like I used I had those relationships through Devin. So I think that if if explained better, I think it could have came off better because that's not a bad strategy and that's worked for people before. If you, like, use your relationship with someone to get to somebody else, if you have to betray them, it doesn't look bad on you. It looks bad on the person that you went through. So I think there's a bit of that as well. I just think that he didn't do it as masterfully as he could have.
0: And I guess he also, like, I feel like that strategy is used for, like, if you're a more of a behind-the-scenes, pulling-the-strings kind of guy. He just never got a chance to do that because someone did that to him first. Devin. (laughs) but uh he he never really had the chance to be like well see you know i i made these social connections with these people they made the real connections with other people so that way you know when i pull the strings afterwards and get them voted out then they won't be mad at me it's like well you didn't even do that because you just fell to the bottom after you made the start of that plan and then you couldn't really execute ever
1: he might be the most strategic goat in survivor history because clearly his mind was on for the game like clearly he had a like his his brain turned on and wanting to do whatever it took to get to the end but the the so like the social strategy faltered every now and again but the the actual strategy of like the gameplay moves he was getting carried to the end it, i don't like, even know
2: if i don't i don't even know if i would have called him a goat because i feel like a goat is someone who legit just has not done anything I th- I think that he given the right circumstances could have been a winner. If he like the the fact that he fell to the bottom is what took him out of contention cuz he just couldn't do anything for the rest of the game. He had no real control. So he fell into the place of man like I just got to fight to get to the end, not really like take control. I can't really do that. That's so funny. I I don't know if I would call him a goat, but I get what you're saying. Definitely a, definitely a really strategic third place finisher. Definitely. Yeah, because I wouldn't um, call Spencer uh, a goat and he, he didn't get any votes in his final travel council. So and he's super strategic as well. So oh,
1: true. Um, I feel like we're going to shift into like the merge and talking about our favorites going into like the, f- the end game, essentially. So before we do, uh, I, I just I, I want a moment to vent uh, real quick of. <laughs> about (laughs) one player in particular this season. Um, (sighs) Fucking Cole, man. Like, (laughs) as a viewer, I could feel the frustration from pretty much everybody pre-merge of wanting to get him out. Like, just straight up, you're eating everything. You're passing out. You're not doing well health-wise other than being a competition or a challenge threat, you know? It's It's
0: crazy because he said he, like before the game, that he eats 8,000 calories a day. I was like, what? That's
1: insane. That is absolutely insane.
0: You're not built for survivor, then.
1: Yeah, you're gonna, obviously, you're gonna have fucking health problems. But on top of that, dude, all of the knowledge that he could get in the season at all by anybody that he trusted, he then goes and spews. To the number one target every single time. There isn't a single point in his game where he makes a logical move. Now, to his credit, to his credit, I do think that his challenge uh, performances, for the most part, reminded me of like the old age, like the early, early age of Survivor, where there is that one big brute, that one big uh, challenge threat. That is essentially like the alpha male that sticks around for a long time because it's early survivor and it's very challenge based. But um seeing that in the modern age of survivor kind of gives you even more anticipation to watch the challenges and to root against somebody like Cole. I thought that was a really cool dynamic. But on top of it, I like overall, fuck Cole. I can't I can't I can't stand it. And I'm sure, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I don't want to uh, attack him as a person. I don't know where, like, his beliefs or who he is as a person. But my God, it was so aggravating to watch. Like, the first time around, I could not stand Joe. But this time around, I just, I was losing my fucking mind. I was ripping my hair out of my head, trying to ravel my, like, Just wrap my head around all of the things that Cole was doing. Your number one ally, Jessica, has this big fucking advantage to block someone's vote at tribal council. And before tribal council, you tell everybody about it before you know that you're going to tribal. Like,
0: (sighs) I don't get the point of him, like, saying to everyone, well, it wasn't that because they weren't going to try, they never went to tribal.
1: No, uh, sorry, but not before tribal. Uh, before the immunity challenge, he tells everybody. Oh, about it.
0: yeah, yeah. So yeah, they still could go gone to tribal. It's like, it's I get if you were gonna be like, well, we'll tell Ben to like vote off Lauren, or we'll tell Lauren to vote off Ben. Even still, like, you don't need a, like before even before that, you didn't need either of them. Like, there's three of you, two of them. If you really were three strong, you don't need to like ever speak to them. Also it's like it's it's an extra vote so it's like it, really if you wanted to you could split the votes between them now that's just an even like better thing. I don't get like what the point of telling everyone is cuz the the point of like telling someone is because you're going to use it against someone else. But if you tell everyone then it's just everyone knows then it's like what how are you going to use it now?
1: It also wasn't um sorry just to, just to make sure uh, I'm I might be misremembering, but I don't think that was the extra vote. I think that was when she got the advantage to block a vote.
0: Oh, yeah. Also, Which, it was also, like, not that big of a of an advantage. Not like a in huge advantage, speaking. but
1: in, in a tribe of five, when you're going to tribal, and she has that advantage, that's like political power in the palm of your hands, and exposing that to everybody not only diminishes the uh, like the trust and the reliability in you as a player, because obviously that's going to get around. You're in a five-person tribe. And Ben and Lauren are going to use whatever they can to p- make as many cracks as they can to stay in the game as long as they can. So why even talk to them? Why even communicate with them? It makes no sense. Even yeah. if they make it to merge, you're still going to have the numbers.
2: Well, Come on! I mean... I mean, he was just under the impression because he's not that game savvy that, oh, I told Jessica about Joe's idol and that worked for me. So I guess every time I get information, I'm just going to tell people and then they'll <laughs> be loyal to me. So, I mean, to a certain extent, that does work, but he just doesn't or he didn't uh, do it in the most uh, – the in the best way, I would say. And also,
0: RIP Jessica.
2: Yeah, oh, no. RIP Jessica. Made the merge, didn't make the
0: jury. I feel yeah. bad because she was just lumped with Cole and like Cole was just like not that great of a player. I thought she was really good. And then like all she was ever on the show for was for a showmance or, or like that's how it was edited. And then it's like, Oh the yeah. Now she's gone forever. Yeah. I really would have liked to see her play without Cole.
1: Yeah. That's the end of my Cole rant. It's just, it's so annoying because he's such a prominent figure in the show's edit, which I mean, I guess I understand because he's obviously like a person to root against. Like, I don't think there's any diehard Cole fans out there. But at the same time, you could have taken some of those confessionals and some of that like intrigue out and I don't know, put it, give s- it to put JP. It s- <laughs> JP, yeah. Give it to somebody that we know is going to like go kind of far, farther than Cole. <laughs>
0: I think JP only won one vote further than Cole. I was just kidding. I don't think <laughs> uh, I wouldn't want JP to.
2: to yeah, get JP that. got all the all the all the screen time he needed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, going into the
2: merge, um, it's a uh, pretty straightforward. This goes into the idea of three tribes. Uh, if you're the th- third tribe that has the most members left more than likely the two other tribes will turn against you. And that's like the dilemma of winning a lot of challenges in a three tribe season early on. It's like good for you at the beginning, but then once it comes merge time, you're going to get picked off because there's less of you when two tribes combine or the remnants. Um, What is really cool is this, this group of seven forms of the heroes and the the remaining heroes and hustlers start picking off the, the healers one by one, but then the group of four, uh, the core four uh, alliance forms with uh, Lauren, Devin, Ben, and Ashley. And that's when the real fun gameplay comes in. Uh, I, I love this, the move where they uh, they make their four to take out or to turn against the other three of JP, Chrissy, and Ryan. But they use the two lone healers, uh, Joe and Mike, to their advantage by telling them that they are going to vote out JP, uh, but only telling them that it's Lauren, Chrissy, and Devin, making them think that Ben is with those other four, so it's a five v four, using them to their advantage while having Ben be undercover with the other four, with the other three, thinking that he's with them. So after this, so with this vote, a group of four was able to outsmart a group of five, which was actually a group of two and a group of three, which is n- I've never seen done before, and I think is one of the coolest moves in Survivor honestly what a, what a crazy cool strategic social move
0: yeah it's just crazy duping two different groups of people and being able to also like not have them ever go to each other I feel like that happens all the time in Survivor is like someone's like I'm going to try and make this plan and and I'll tell these people that like we're together now and we're going to go against them But the people they tell are like, I'm just going to go to them and get you out instead. (laughs) But they they kept those two groups separate away from each other, which I think also was very genius in having Ben be the undercover person. There's so many reasons that Ben being the undercover person, the one that having an undercover person is genius, but it being Ben is genius because Ben and Joe are so against each other before that happens, and I, I think that like having Joe and Mike think that they're still against Ben keeps them from going anywhere near Ben or his alliance. So they never talk to each other. So the uh, Devin, Lauren, and Ashley uh, go to Joe and Mike, and they know that like they'll never be with they they wouldn't work with Ben. So those two groups will never work together. It's just genius duping two people and duping them for the amount of time they did. Because the thing I like about this season, uh, well, the thing we like about the 30s as a whole is the idea of like voting blocks, which is something Second Chance really started, which is why it's kind of my favorite season is that, you know, like the, the idea of voting blocks and like it can all change just like that. But I like that this bring this season brought back a little bit of old school in the sense that like plans actually play out and work for a few rounds. It's not just that like, oh, this we came up with this master plan to get this one person out and now it's like, all right, what are we going to do next? They have a plan set in place that will only work for two votes. So they have to make it go through two votes. So. It's it's crazy coming up with a plan that like once you vote out that first person, then you go, uh, oh shit, uh, uh Oh
1: god uh, damn it. Sorry. I was I was gonna try and do it discreetly. I really have to pee. I'll be right back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you go ahead. I saw Connor's thing you change, I was this. like, do I just uh keep going? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> But it's crazy to have a plan play out where at final nine, at at one vote that you do for it, like you shock the world and vote this person out. And now this whole group is like, what the hell happened? But then they're still not in the know of the entire plan. There's still more to play out within that plan. I feel like that's so cool and something that had like never been done before. And I think still has not ever been done.
2: And I don't see why it's not done all the time because that's such a genius way to gain the advantage to, to well, not think only it take because it's really hard to do to keep those two different
0: groups away from each other talking. oh
2: no 100 i i just i'm surprised we haven't seen anybody try it at all yeah uh because it's it, such a genius move uh i think that's the best move of the season i would say i think that's the the coolest yeah. innovative move which um, is why
0: we are this group is such big Devin fans. Is Devin really, you know, Lauren, a credit to her, got those four group of people together and it worked out so well. Uh, Devin was the one who came up with the idea to have Ben go undercover uh, and work with those people and you keep the two groups away from each other and he was really the the puppet master behind the scenes and uh, I th- we all are in agreement that he's, one of the most underrated players to ever play this game. He played it so masterfully.
2: and it's really a shame because he just doesn't get any love for it, really. And I'm just I don't get it. I, I really like because he very clearly was the one who was in control of most situations because of his amazing social play and the relationships that he's had with people, that he was told all the information. He never had to win immunity because he was always safe when he could. when And he used that to his advantage. He's like, I don't need to win immunity. I'm just going to throw this to Ashley. So I'm not seen as a challenge that, which he didn't need to be. Uh, he just he was able to get all the information and then make amazing plans based off that information. And for, I, I'm just surprised that the Survivor fan base doesn't hype him up more. Like, yeah, I, he, he fits the archetype of a, a really strong, strong player. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm I'm and I'm always like if he won,
0: would people think that? Like if there was no fire challenge and Ben goes out at 4 and Devin wins the game, would people see him as like a Todd, you know, like one of the best one-time players to ever do? You play one time, you win and it's like and it's like that's it cuz I don't know if he would ever come back. He he talked about I think like saying he wouldn't. I don't know if that was like before or after Winners at War or whatever, but I I, still I think that like I I I feel like the survivor fan base doesn't usually hold that against them like not winning like I feel like there's tons of love for David or you know Malcolm people who have gotten out and forth where it's like oh we obviously really wanted them to win but you know we we still respect the game you played I feel like as soon as he lost it was like we're not respecting you as much as
2: these other people and I don't get why. Yeah, I don't get it either. Um, it, it, I think part of it has to do with just the edit really just typing up Ben, and this just became Ben's season towards the end. So I think there's a part of that where it's just like, well, if Ben loses, it's a loss. So yeah. I think ben it's also
0: it also has, I think, one of the best moves ever in the sense of the at the final five vote. It is weird because at the finale... They they were saying, like, Dr. Mike, did you ever think about doing that, too? And he was like, oh, I was gonna like <laughs> I, I just didn't. And I'm I'm like, was it like that smart of a move? If I guess everyone was thinking about it, it was just he had the balls to do it. I still think yes, because, again, he had the balls to do it. And and he right. also like chose the perfect person because, it, you know, like if Mike does it, then it's like, uh. I guess in that situation, though, Mike would have to vote for Devin and Ben would have to vote for Mike. They would still save Devin, I think. Yeah, even they if they would, in who. that same
1: scenario, Mike would all, almost always be the one going. And even if, say, Devin were to write down somebody else's... Like, Devin, in, in another alternate universe, he wouldn't write down another person's name. The only person's name that he would write down is Mike. Because Devin, Devin Chrissy, and Ryan was... Devon's probable ideal final three um
2: well uh, another thing behind it is the idea that if if mike was going to do it they probably would have shown it on the show i think in retrospect anybody when they're called up onto a stage in front of the finale he's like would you have done this yeah i would have done this yeah i'm sure you'll say that now it, yeah like do
0: you really well, i think you... he specifically said that like i was gonna do it and then
2: he just didn't but oh, either, I either I, way, I the person, also, the fact I, that he did it, I still think is the reason why that's a great move on Devin's right. part. Yeah, yeah. If you don't do it, you don't get credit for thinking about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You only truly get credit for something when you actually execute it on the show. Whether it goes to your uh, benefit or not, the fact that you do a move is better than saying that you were going to do a move. Yeah. Because anybody
2: can say it. afterwards, I was going to do that. Anybody yeah. Spe-
1: that. Especially when they've. Watched the edit up to this point. Like, th- there's a lot of hindsight that you will now know through the context that you are now given through the show. Um yeah. But Mike was also just kind of like a... He was a wild card in every sense of the word. I mean, ever... Like, from his blow-up at... I think it was 11 when, Col- when Cole goes home. From that point on, when the coconuts really fucking form... He is just so crazy. And and playing that idol for himself when he really didn't have to. And uh, all around just taught, like, to his benefit, his confessionals are great. They, like, I don't know about you yeah, guys, I but to them. me, his confessionals reminded me, but in a better way, of Debbie. <laughs> like,
2: actual, like, funny, but still oh, good. Yeah, Yeah. Debbie
1: uh, Korong and Game Changers.
2: No, I like Dr. Mike. He's very likable and a very, like, rootable guy. Yeah. Just the problem with playing his idol for himself, it wasn't for no reason. He was trying to switch it up. He just failed on it, and I don't think it was the best plan to try and switch it up. But I respect him for trying to switch it up because what else is he going to do? Just wait to get voted out? So I I respect him for trying to make something happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, the better move there, in my mind, would probably be to try and... uh, play his idol for Cole, knowing that they would probably vote out the um challenge threat first, first and foremost, because he's so unlikable and because this might be one of their last chances to get him. Um I but think also at that, point, that, they that were would be like a votes, three though. Yeah, it would it would be a three three split regardless because Cole, Joe, and Mike would vote together and then the three that were voting for either Joe or Mike in his mind would it would still be a split between those three and it would it yeah sure it could go to rocks because or no no even then it wouldn't because the the people that wouldn't be voted would still have the majority and they would that, that's what i'm saying i'm say. saying
2: that that's why that wasn't the way to get it turned over i think he sh- i think he's smart enough to realize it wasn't him going home so i think it was one of those things where it's just like you got to live to fight another day and i don't think you could change it up on that vote the thing is he was uh something interesting that almost
0: happened was if he kept that idol, the next immunity challenge was the one where they were standing on, on the platforms, on the water and he came in second. So if he went, if he keeps that idol and then wins that challenge, then he, it, then it's like they could just go up to people and be like, we're not going home, you know, come up with some other plan. And it, I remember that, like I was really scared or actually I, I got really scared. <laughs> and I got really
2: scared. <laughs> she's, well, like a, I, she's like a crazy lady. <laughs> he,
0: he didn't have his idol anymore. But I was like, damn, if you kept your idol and then like beat Ashley in that immunity challenge... Because right before then was the reward where the four was like, we're going to have this amazing game plan and like go against the seven. But instead, if Mike kept that idol and then won... Then like that whole thing would just have never have happened, so that so I'm glad he didn't.
1: Yeah, so right. Would, in in that hindsight, that would have been oh, but it is a crazy. Weird alternate of, universe.
0: It is crazy to think of how close he was to like actually being able to use an idol really well, and that's I think a problem I do have with this season is there were eight idols throughout the season, seven of which were played, uh, half of which was, like, left in Lauren's pocket, the other half of one uh, thrown in the fire. But there's <laughs> eight fucking idols, and it, it, Joe played one correctly, then I think Joe didn't play one, and then Mike uh, played one incorrectly, and then one was thrown in the fire, Ben had three, and I think... Not counting the super idol, right? Not counting the super
1: idol? Yeah, one
0: incorrectly.
2: Not counting the super
0: idol. Oh yeah, not not counting the super idol too. Yeah, so uh, uh, all of them were played incorrectly except for Ben and Joe one time, but it was just like that's just that's just too many, bro. Come on.
1: Yeah, I think um, where Game Changers is kind of synonymous with like sort of the dawn of this ad- advantage Armageddon that we're going through with American Survivor. I think uh, we have to recognize, like, recognize and also like scrutinize the fact that 35 also, like you said, eight idols is quite a bit, man. Like, it's understandable it to have over a third of people.
2: Yeah, and this 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 kind of leads into the point of the negatives of the season. The very few negatives of the season, <laughs> uh, Ben just being able to find three idols in a row. If he so he found his one, fine with that. If he didn't find those other two, and there's six idols in the season, only two of them being played correctly, that would have been fine. I don't think it would have been as much of a problem. But the fact that he was able to find three in a row, little suspect, and then the third one, him just like laying down and it's right there. It seems almost as if production had an ulterior motive to help him stay in the game. I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist or anything, but it is a little ridiculous. I do remember. When watching this season the first time, uh, I remember Cam, you texted me, you're like, this is like the first time I think production actually like intervened and did that. And I'm like, yeah, it's, that was pretty suspect to begin with because um, I feel like a
0: lot of people have had that thought that like that production has like fixed stuff before, and I was always like, shut the fuck up. That was the first time I was like, you know what? if you told me that that is what happened, I wouldn't be surprised and that's really saddening to me
1: to play devil's advocate though, when um when Ben and Lauren find that that half idol that turns into the idol that gets thrown into the fire um they both uh, audibly say we don't see it visually on uh, on the show but they both audibly say uh x marks the spot dig here which is the same clue that Ben finds which could also be flipped onto oh they just reused a clue which come on but
0: it was mainly that the last idol they had was on a raft, or, like, the clue was, like, dig below this raft, something that, like, can be moved. I was like, then you couldn't have had that for long, which I guess, yeah, because you're going to re-put an idol back into the game that night, so, you know. But even still, like, I feel like you would never put it somewhere where it's, like, that raft moves, and then that idol's just gone forever. No one ever finds that, ever. So I, f- it just seems so weird and convenient that they were like, okay, we'll put it where like Ben's gonna go lay down. <laughs>
1: I just think that. I think this is a good a good point in time where we like clearly outline somewhat of the division here, uh, <laughs> because you both, I feel like, uh, we we all collectively, especially on this rewatch. We all really wanted Devin to win. I
2: totally... maybe it would have been different this time when we watched it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's
2: a definition of insanity.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I I totally agree, and and even back when I watched it the first time with my family, um, I totally agree. Devin winning would have been the cooler outcome, and the the true cherry on top of what could have been a great Survivor Sunday here, but um. I personally do really have a nice soft spot and attachment for Ben and his story. I mean, through the beginning of his uh, uh of his veteran story that they craft on the show to the rivalry with Joe, which I really didn't like. Um, Joe using the Marines bit, like uh, Ben swearing on the Marines, would, c- come on, that, that's I thought that was far. smart as hell. I. <laughs> I... I think it just struck a chord like, because my dad is a veteran, so I'm just like, that's you don't do that at all. Yeah, the thing I'm,
0: is, vets get very mad at that, and I think that like, yeah, sure, it's a dickish thing to do. He was trying to be a dick, and also he was trying to get Ben to act very belligerent and mad, so that way maybe people would be like, oh, uh, we might not want to align with this guy. And I think he, he did that. He did exactly what he wanted to. It was just that. People didn't uh, people kind of know who Joe is, so they didn't subscribe to the fact that, like, man, Joe just got attacked by by this crazy man here.
2: (laughs) I I, I also think that in Survivor, I do think, in my opinion, all bets are off. I have a very low uh, standard for things that are cross the line. Or high standard for things whatever you know what i mean it's like I, it has to be something completely yeah. egregious and i don't think that that's really across the line hey, you're fighting for your life in a game to win a million dollars i'll say do whatever i need to do to win if that's what it is whatever man like if that'll get you further in the game if that's your last ditch effort to stay in the game do it i mean sure it's probably not the most moral thing to do but who cares it's a game like you got to do what you got to do i don't think it's quite over the line to uh to To be like, like, because another thing that people get upset about is like, oh, you swore on the Bible. It's like, who cares? (laughs) Like,
0: that, like, it's like, that's why I also got annoyed at Ben in that moment more so because at first Joe is all like, uh, yeah, you told me that you swore on your family and stuff. And he's like, Yeah I, yeah, I didn't do that. That's that's fucking stupid. It's like, yeah, well, you actually also uh, swore on the Marines to me. It's like, don't you fucking tell me what I swore on. It's like, really, I I was just upset. I was like, you you like obviously put like it's just because it's like the the stigma of like of like uh you know the veterans like uh, they'll go through something we never can or we could never imagine, and it's like they have this this bond that that can't be broken and stuff. And I get. It was just like you was like he said family first, and I was like, you're really like belittling that. I feel like when when you go so hard on him for like lying about the Marine Corps, it's like, what about your family?
1: That's fair. I don't remember that moment, but I believe it. Yeah. That-
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like once again, though, I don't dislike Ben. It's not that I don't like him. I think he's I I don't think he's a bad winner or a bad player. I think he's actually a really good player. In fact, I think the fact that he was the kingpin and he was still able to be brought into the Alliance of Four and all the relationships he made, making it as far as he did before people turned on him, I think is a testament to how good of a player he is. When everybody knew that he was in charge and he still was able to get along and hold that idol for as long as he did. So I do think that he is a good player and I think he's a good winner. I don't think he's bad. I think the problem is is the situation around it is what makes it a, a sour taste in my mouth, where at the last and in the 12th hour or the 11th hour, they add the fire making challenge. After the final four immunity challenge, there's now a fire making challenge to get to the final three, which gives Ben another out to make it to the end, which is like, okay, I could excuse the idle placement because how am I really supposed to know, right? If, if it wasn't conveniently placed for him, I'm sure he could have found a way to find one. But adding a new challenge to help him get to the end, kind of ridiculous in my opinion. Especially also the way it turned out is like if it, it took out his best competition, too. If Devin and Ben were in the finals, I still think there's a chance that Devin wins that.
0: So, yeah. and it's just sad that like I, 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 because I do, I have been up on the fire making challenge at the final four since that season at first i was like i absolutely hate it i have gone up on it a bit but still it annoys me because well one it annoys me in that season because the whole reason they made it was because they were like oh there's so many times where like the best player gets out at four you know so we just want a chance for the best player at four to like get into the final three the i feel like the the thing is though you can't like the, the point of Survivor is that at the end of the day, it's going to come down to your social strategic game. And that's the reason why idols are only allowed at five, not four. You know, you have to be able to get yourself to that end point without like brute strength, you know, like challenge wins or uh, 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 like an idol you find or whatever, you know, it's going to come down to the relationships in the end. And by the end, he didn't make as good or a good enough relationship to stay in the game. And, and it's not just because he's a threat. You know, like, like we said with Tony, you know, Tony was by far the biggest threat, but he didn't like win immunity or th- play an idol or have a fire making challenge to get himself into the end. He he talked his way there and he relationshiped himself into that final two, which is why he's like the greatest player ever. You know, if if the the best player always goes out at four, you know, oh, that always happens, you know, well, maybe they weren't the best players a lot of times. So it okay. it's also just annoying that season, because I do think that they thought Ben was the best player and they just gave him so much stuff about like, first of all, I'm not a vet hater. I just hate how much that they upped that story and like made it they kind of made it seem like he deserved it. Like, you know, because he he was a vet and the, obviously he he deserves so much greatness in life. I just feel like Survivor needs to be taken outside of real life. And in that game, I think Devin was just the way better player. And it was sad that that fire making challenge made him go home, even though he would have been like a Tony, where even though he was arguably the better player, he would have convinced himself to the final three. Exactly.
1: I, I think uh, the saddest part for me knowing like knowing how much I care for Ben and his win and, and not exactly the cleanest of ways to get there, of course, uh, I, I I fully admit uh, there's a whole lot of sus going on there. Um,
0: Maybe it was clean. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they if they came out and they were like, we actually helped Ben win. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs>
1: And, and again, to, to, to harp on what Connor was saying earlier as well, not to diminish Ben as a player or Ben as a winner, um, we just firmly grasp at what we were shown on the show. We believe that Devin was the strongest player and therefore should have been at least given the opportunity to sit at Final Tribal and given the opportunity to give his pitch and possibly win the million dollars himself I
2: mean, the fact that it was added at the end it's like how are we supposed to know that that was a plan the whole season and then after the season Jeff's like oh just you know this isn't a one-off this is going to be forever I'm like that's just you co- like trying to cover your tracks to act like this was a plan the whole time
1: right like right.
2: now you're just ruining every other season because of it and like sure the fire making challenge has been good and I don't think and I think that there's been uh, good outcomes because of it. I think one of my favorite outcomes of the fire-making challenges in 39 actually, when uh, when Nora wins the final challenge, Tommy's able to convince her that he's like, I can't make fire. How am I supposed to get to the end? She's like, All right, then I'll just bring you. When he's the person to win the season, I think he used he was able to use his social prowess to get into the end instead of having to do the challenge at all, which I think was smart. I think that was a cool thing, and I think that players are now finding ways to adapt to use that. But what I do hate is now mm. it seems like essentially. If you want to win the game and you aren't the best person at the end, you have to do two things now. You have to win the final challenge and then give up your spot to beat the best player in fire making. You have to beat the best player and then do it. So it's just like, oh, now you have to do two things to win when you could just win the challenge and vote out that person. Uh, it, It really only helps the best player in the game. That's what it does. And it makes it way harder for the second person to win the game now, in my opinion.
1: Because they have to
2: do two things. There. now. Yeah, because if they win the final, like in, in 41, uh, obviously I don't even know if, uh, if Xander would have won anyway, but like the, and the idea that he won the challenge, he now would ha- also have to give up his immunity to go do fire, to then take out the, the best player, to then even have a shot at winning. Uh, to So it just makes no sense that if you have played a better game to be able to make it to the end, you have to do more now to show that you deserve the win, which is just counterintuitive in my opinion.
1: And I also think that like personally, we have, from my perspective, and I think it's not a hot take to say, we've kind of seen all that the final four fire making can really do. I, I, d- I would not I would not be a Bennett, like uh, I would not be a detractor to, to seeing that go. You know, we, we've yeah. seen people, like you said, Tommy, um, not Weasel's way, but like like use his social strategy to get him to the final three instead of winning the challenge or going to fire. Um, and then most notably in 38, when Chris Underwood gives up his immunity and takes his biggest threat to fire, like you were saying in that, in that um, scenario where it is harder, but in that unique scenario, it was pretty much the only thing Underwood could have done to, to seal him the victory. I think even though we all agree on this, the Edge of Extinction is dumb and the way that Chris Underwood is also really dumb, um, the moment that is crafted because of it is really cool and it makes for good TV. I understand why they did it, but we've, we've seen every dynamic that we can with this, so I'm hoping... It doesn't have to happen for 42 because they they obviously recorded 42 right after 41 just to have two seasons back to back, of course. But I would really love for it to just twist right back to the normal Final Four because it's been here long enough to where people are having it in their social game and their strategy mindset and and planning ahead for it that it would be a big enough twist to say, oh, yeah, we're doing uh, an actual immunity challenge now and this tonight's vote will go down. Like that would be a really cool twist to happen after that final four challenge of any season uh, of any upcoming season.
0: Yeah. I think you said it right where, you know, I feel like these past few seasons have done at least a good job at coming up with uh creative ways to use the fire making challenge like Tommy or, or just like in winners at war where we got like the most electrifying, like fire making challenge ever. But, uh, 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 and, like, cool permutations, like, oh, what if Dominic, did like, took, or what if he went and tried to take out Wendell instead of, you know, like, trying to have someone else beat him, you know? But, uh, uh, yeah, there's only so many things you can do. I don't know how much more they can, or creative they can get with that.
2: Yeah, I don't know, but I do know that having that, like, umph at the end of the season is better TV, and I think that's why they're going to keep it. Yeah. Essentially yeah. forever. Cause like if you think about it, in thirty six, if the fire making challenge wasn't there, we wouldn't have had a tie vote at the end of the season, which was an amazing moment.
1: Fair.
2: Um, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have the Chris Underwood Rick Devons battle, which was amazing. You wouldn't have uh, Tony and Sarah going against each other, which was amazing, which are amazing moments, but in terms of gameplay, I think it's it's not as good gameplay wise, but I get it for T V. It does do, it, it do does suck to... because this the, it is a TV show first, so yeah. that's what they're going for. So I understand.
1: I also do want but to But as mention the game while...
2: player, it's like ugh.
1: I also do want to mention I'm gonna interrupt <laughs> you again. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh I also do want and to I'll mention do it while... too. Oh my <laughs> fucking God. <laughs> I also do want to mention here while we're on the topic, um we haven't mentioned like um the forty one fire making challenge. Also, a really great TV moment, arguably one of the best of that finale. Um, just the back and forth, like it's been competitive fire-making challenges, except for I think thirty-seven was pretty straightforward. I I don't remember the David vs Goliath fire challenge too much. I don't know, but um, thirty-five think...
2: Devin couldn't even get it started. <laughs> yeah, that was like the word I remember like
0: when we re when I rewatched it, I was like, he never even fucking started that fire. <laughs> That sucks.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's tough. And I think overall, like, the the thing that leaves the most sour taste in in our mouths, at least, uh, in, in, like, coming off of that season as a whole uh, of 35 is just the fact that, uh, pun totally not intended here, Devin got so burned by that challenge, like, by that final four fire-making challenge, I don't think we're ever going to see him play again, which just absolutely... Like it, it breaks my heart because he is such a good player and such good TV that I, it it just it it sucks to to know that we probably will never see him play again.
2: I did I did read something somewhere where it said he would only come back if it was a blood versus water season and he could play with his mom. I did see that somewhere. So oh, that's that would cool. be- that would be cool. The problem is, I think that I agree. I think that was his season to win. I don't think he can rep his type of game is a game that I don't think you can replicate because people, I mean, I would think that people understand his game, even though people don't praise him as much as we do, which I think he should be. But I would think that people understand that he's so social and likable that that's his, his game to win. Um, and I feel I like you think, though,
0: if you're the sociable, likable one, that. That is better than you know, at least being like a Russell, you know, like they're going to get you out right away. But at least like if you play, if Devin plays again, that's the same with like Tony. It's like, why wouldn't you go for Tony right away? I guess because he's the most charismatic person ever and everyone just actually loves him and wants him to like, or do they just want to be with him? I feel like that's a similar thing to what Devin is, too.
1: I could, all, I could also totally see Devin um adapting Tony's gameplay in 40 and, and taking it for his own because that idea of n- coming in knowing the, the level uh, uh, of, of threat that you would have, like your threat level from day one. Threat level as midnight.
2: As, threat level um, midnight, baby.
1: Knowing and being aware of your threat level from day one and being able to just... Level out the playing field by social being socially strategic enough to build the bonds with literally everybody and make them feel so comfortable that they literally lower their hands until you hit them with the left hook. That I I feel like that's right up Devin's alley. I, I think he could easily uh, not easily, but I could easily see him do it on, on on a possibly a blood versus water season, which they haven't done since 29. So that'd be a really cool thing to bring back sometime.
0: Yeah, I don't know why they haven't done that in so long. It's interesting been,
1: because in Korong. Oh my god, I think it's interesting because uh, maybe now with Australians who are doing Blood versus Water, it the intrigue and the uh, I, I guess the the drive of the audience of wanting to see a Blood versus Water season could possibly spur up the idea of doing another one soon. That would be fun. Um, to be completely honest. I think we see another blood versus water season before we see another second chance season. So there's that.
0: Maybe. Yeah, I don't don't know. know. I don't know what they think of second chance. If they're, I feel like I remember early on them saying like we would love to do it again because there's like certain people that didn't get voted in the first time that they want still. Like Cole Pepper was one of them, and like Jim Rice was someone they always wanted back.
2: If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure 34 was originally going to be second chance too. But they changed it. I'm pretty sure. Do you think they I'm, might
1: have changed it because they just wanted to have the cast that they wanted? And they yeah. didn't want to risk like not having certain Maybe.
2: people. Well think uh, about think about all the all the second time players they had on that season. That and all the second time players I would imagine, like Culpepper, Sarah, Debbie, Ty, Aubrey, like yeah, I, I guess who... Uh,
1: I think the only was, few I, people that weren't a second-time player were like Malcolm, Sari, Sandra.
0: Ozzy,
2: Andrea, JT,
1: JT. JT. So it's a bit of a fair split, but Well, yeah, also, it's a fair split
2: because they changed it, but I do know that... Think about those one-time players. And Haley... Like like all of these one time players, I can't or all the and Troy's in, those are all the people that you would say how are they game changers? All of the the like yeah. the multiple returnees are. So I'm pretty sure that is an is a testament that it probably was a second chance season.
1: I mean even Zeke and Michaela, like like they just played in 33, and Zeke made it to merge right?
0: Yeah yeah
1: yeah. So Zeke was Zeke made it to merge, but Michaela, the only reason I could see her coming back was because of how like big her blindside was, but even then, that doesn't make her a game-changer. So I totally would believe that would have been I think they liked how big her
0: personality chance. was.
1: Yeah. Which, fair, she's good TV. Fine. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah,
0: 35. Season 35. Underrated seasons ever. I don't get why it doesn't get talked about as much. I feel like it has a perfect blend of New school voting blocks, like things change all the time, as well as a bit of old school, in that you get to see plans play out. And also, just some of the smartest plans I feel like we've seen. And it had a strong pre merge. I think it having only 18 people helps too, though, mm-hmm. because, uh, and, and like a tribe of six uh, is the most there it ever was before the merge. I think that that helps intensify it. But I I don't get why it doesn't get talked about as much.
1: I think yeah, after this rewatch, it definitely uh, has cracked at least my top five because I know it was in my top ten before. But I after like having all the context now so present in my mind, I think it's f- totally fair for me at least. I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty sure it's in the top five.
2: Yeah, I would say it's in my top 10 easily. Probably, like, I don't know, top 7 for sure. Yeah, I think it'd be
0: around the 7th place. I think yeah, there's a few other seasons where I'm like, I definitely like that more. The thing is, my 3 favorite would go Second Chance, uh, um, Kageyan and Heroes vs. Villains, and then I, I think, like, 4 through 10 is probably, like, all interchangeable. I don't really know what I would do. Maybe, like, Micronesia and then, like, something after that. I don't know. But it's, like, all very interchangeable. So, it's, like, it might be top five. It is, like, I feel like this is, like, my most, like, comfort season. It's just, like, and and I guess, like, unique one because it's, like, it's not very highly regarded.
1: I feel like it's similar for people that, uh, for the folks that, like, are diehard lovers of Philippines. Because Philippines kind of has that same sort of case where... Um, in my opinion, not like to the same degree. Uh, in terms of like the level of the cast or the level of the gameplay, but it's still a good time. It's still a really. I I love Philippines. I think,
0: I think Philippines Philippines is is very
2: highly regarded. Yeah, I I think a lot of people like Philippines. Maybe I just definitely way more more than thirty-five. Yeah, people like Philippines more than thirty-five easily. Um, I really like Philippines. That's definitely my top top 10 i think that's another like one that's like interchangeable maybe we Um, should do
1: like like a ranking video separately where we just rank our top 10 seasons not like a not like a solo podcast but like i don't know like a peridium style video where we just like rank our top 10s
0: yeah i'm down it's like the tiktok where it's like rank this person's discography and it's like we the three of us line up and we have like one through 10 over our heads and it's like this one pops up and then we like point. It's like I put it in seven. Oh, he put it in three. Oh, he put it in six. <laughs> but and it's then just and like, then we can have a podcast video
1: dissecting like, our top tens, dude. Yeah, we're doing this now. That's a plan. That's a plan. It's just but, Jeff
0: being like, "Talk like, welcome to Survivor: Heroes versus Healers versus Hustlers." And we're like, yeah.
1: <laughs> "Oh!" <laughs> uh, obviously. Um, Survivor season fifty, Jeff's backyard has to be on there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's be in there. <laughs> I Anyways. just want Jeff's
0: backyard so bad. I want it so bad. <laughs> I, I would love that season. That'd
1: be so fun. That's that should have been what we got instead of waiting for forty one. Whoever um,
0: pulls the most carrots will win individual immunity today. Carrots. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Whoever plants the most tomatoes that survive. Get it, Survivor. Anyways there you go. Um, <laughs> this episode we we have reached we've reached the end, folks. We are here at the end of the episode. Do we want to go watch the season? Go yeah, go watch the yeah. season, please. Um
0: And if wanna... you don't like it, uh rethink that and then watch the season again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alrighty, and that's gonna do it for this week on the Survivor's Ready Podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Uh, Before we let you go, just uh, don't forget to follow us on social media at Survivors Ready Pod on TikTok and Instagram and at Survivors Ready Pod, spelled the cool way, R-D-Y, for ready on Twitter. (laughs) And uh, don't forget to check out the video format of the podcast on the YouTube channel, also titled Survivors Ready Podcast. All this is linked in the link tree on our Instagram And uh, also, one last thing before I let you go, Uh, please, 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 uh, if you have the time of day, uh, rate us five stars on whatever podcast app you're listening to us on. Uh, Specifically, Spotify and Apple Podcasts help us us out tremendously. Wow, I can't speak today. (laughs) Uh, All in all, thank you guys so much for checking out this new episode. And we will be back next Thursday with the next installment thank you guys so much for watching and we will see you next thursday all right bye